Okay, I know you didn't plan for your life to look like this. Neither did I. And I know it feels like you've lost so much. But I keep hearing God whisper, I am right here. And there is more. I'm Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Let's talk about loneliness for a second. It's something that all single moms have to deal with, but one of the reasons it's so frustrating is that it is not a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. Your experience with loneliness is going to be totally different than mine, and oddly enough, being in a relationship usually doesn't fix it. To learn more about the roots of your own experience with loneliness and what those roots are telling you that you really need, take our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz over at plusoneparents.org. Before we get started on today's episode, first thing I want to say is thank you so much for listening to the Christian Single Moms podcast. I took a big risk early this year in making a change to the format, and I am just so grateful in all of the encouragement and feedback that I've received from you all. I'm also so encouraged to hear the stories of what God is doing in your life through the conversations we're having here on the show, and just the fact that you would let me into that is so sacred and so special, and I just want to say thank you. With the change of format also comes a change in schedule. And so what that means is I'm going to be taking the summer off and be taking the time to reflect on what it is that God has for us in the season ahead and plan to return in the fall with a fresh new season of episodes for the Christian Single Moms podcast. All that being said... I'm not going completely off the grid. (laughs) So you can find me over on social media or through the Plus One Parents Collective. And we actually have a couple of other things that we're planning that you will find out about if you are signed up for our mailing list. And if you're not already signed up, you can do that at plusoneparents.org. Now that you're in the know, let's move into today's episode. What do you do about a situation where your kids are constantly being put in the middle? Recently, I was at a friend's house on a, an afternoon, and she and I were sitting together just having a cup of coffee when her kids came home after being with their dad for a week. And, you know, they excitedly bound in and they're dropping all their bags all over the place and they're talking about all the things that happened within the last week. But it wasn't long before all the dreaded dad said statements kicked in. If you're in this type of a situation, you know what I mean. You know, it's things like, Dad said that you won't let us go see grandma with him this summer. Or dad said that you kept us from being able to have FaceTime with him last week. Or dad said that you're keeping us away from him and he's going to take you to court. If you're in a situation where you are co-parenting with someone who is emotionally manipulative or abusive, then you have seen this play out before. And this is something known as counterparenting. It's a situation where the abuse perhaps that you experienced in the context of the relationship didn't end when the relationship ended. It just changed forms. And a lot of times now this abuse is taking place in your own relationship between you and your children. And it's devastating because you know what's going on. You can see what's happening. You can see that they're being given information that they really shouldn't have access to, or they're being told information that's completely misleading and false. And they're bringing it to you, and you may not even know what to do with it. In these situations, it's reasonable to want to set the record straight. You know, if you see your child is being misled and deceived, you'd absolutely want them to know the truth. 
But if you're in this situation, you may know, you may have seen that the more that you try to do that, the more that you try to bring out the truth, the more suspicious it seems that your kids become of you, the less likely they are to actually trust what you're saying. And the fact of the matter is, once you're on the defensive, it actually starts to look like there's some validity to this claim, and it looks like you actually do have something to hide. This situation is so frustrating, too, because your children are being put in the middle of a dialogue or a conversation between two adults. And that's sometimes if they're perhaps being given messages to send back and forth to another parent, which is absolutely something we should avoid. But this is something perhaps that you're not even trying to participate in. Maybe you're doing your best to actually try to squash it and push it down, but it keeps happening. And it's so hard because it feels like, well, if I could just be upfront with my kids, then that would take them out of the middle. But it actually doesn't. It keeps them right in the middle where they have all this information swirling around them, and yet they don't really know what to do with it or how to make sense of it. So if setting the record straight and defending yourself or bringing in the truth doesn't take your kids out of the middle, what do we do? Something that has been incredibly helpful for me in getting my mind around this is understanding that in parenting, our job is less about teaching our kids what to think and more about teaching them how to think. You may have heard the Bible verse that says, train up a child in the way they must go, and that when they're older, they won't depart from it. But here's the deal. Teaching our kids the way they must go is not just showing them the path, but it's also teaching them how to navigate it. And the fact of the matter is, deception is something that they're going to be faced with throughout their lives. And whether that means it's coming from a family member, another parent, or a bully at school, or someone else they might work for in the future. The fact is we have to teach our kids how to be discerning. And that is what we're doing in teaching our kids how to think is combating deception with discernment. Basically, this is critical thinking skills. And this is actually something that we can observe in the way that Jesus taught his disciples. You know, the disciples were also constantly being stuck in the middle. They were constantly dealing with these messages from the religious leaders about what pleasing God really looked like. And so they were constantly coming to Jesus and asking questions about what they were seeing around them or what they had heard. And Jesus used a variety of different methods to teach the disciples not just what to think, but how to think. Now, when it comes to raising our own kids, these methods that Jesus used, we can also use in teaching them and training them up in the way that they should go and to teach them how to think critically that they're able to combat deception with discernment. The first way that we can teach our kids to think critically is actually by answering their questions with another question. This is something that Jesus did a lot. If we look at Luke chapter 9, it says that one day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only his disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say, You are one of the ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Jesus asked them a question that we can all use. He basically said to them, what do you think? 
Now, the whole point of us asking this question is not really to get an answer. We actually don't really need to be all that concerned with what they answer. But by teaching our kids to take a piece of information and to start asking questions about it is to teach them to start investigating all the angles. You know, when we think about a court of law, for example, very often eyewitness testimony is not seen as the most effective method of presenting evidence. And the reason is there are many angles, many interpretations that come along with having observed an event. You know, depending on where a person was standing, for example, they might have seen something completely different or they might have missed something. And so it's up to the attorneys in that situation, if there is going to be eyewitness testimony, it's up to the attorneys to ask lots of questions, to draw out all of these different angles and interpretations in order to try to figure out what's really going on. And so in teaching our kids to think critically, what we're trying to do is have them understand that there are multiple different interpretations and viewpoints that come along with a story, and that sometimes you may determine whether or not some of those things are factually true as you start to investigate. So with this, if they bring you a piece of information, you have the ability to ask them, well, what do you think about that? Or how does that match up with what you've seen in your own experience? And again, even if they answer the question in a way that is disappointing, it's not really about the answer to that question. It's not really about getting them to think what you want them to think in that moment. It's teaching them over the long term that when they get a piece of information to recognize that that's not the only part of the story, that there are other puzzle pieces that are missing, but also that when they do get a puzzle piece, they should turn it around and look at it from all the various different angles to determine how that fits with the rest of the story. So the first one there is you can respond to their questions with another question. The second method that we can use to teach our kids how to think is to teach observation, to teach our kids to look at what's going on around them. Deception thrives on the mismatch between what a person says and what a person does. And teaching observation teaches our kids to engage what they see and experience around them and not just listen to what a person says, not just listen to what they hear. This is another thing that Jesus constantly did. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 12, he said, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and that all that is in secret will be made known to all. Whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. So what was happening at the time was you had these religious leaders who were going around telling people what to do, but then they weren't actually doing it themselves. And Jesus wanted his disciples to be aware of hypocrisy and not to get sucked in by what looked good on the surface, but really to look at the inconsistency in a person's behavior. Now, when it comes to our kids and talking about another parent especially, it's not wise to criticize or badmouth their other parent. However, you can teach this same principle of observing a person's behavior and their words and whether or not they match by pointing these types of concepts out in other avenues. You know, you can perhaps point out where you see this in stories, in books they might be reading, or if your kids are really into history or current events that you can talk about public figures and those sorts of things, where you have the ability to point out what a person says and what they do, whether or not they match, and then what that reveals about what's going on in their heart. Now, I know the thing that's tricky about this is that sometimes you're faced with a person 
who what they say and what they do seem to actually match. But you know their heart motivation is in the wrong place. You know they're doing it for the wrong reason. You know that they are going through all of the motions, but inside there's something that's off. And there's usually a place that that gets revealed. And one of the places that you can also teach your kids to discern is through consistency. Now, consistency can actually mean a couple of different things. The first one is, are they consistent over time? So is this a way they behave over and over and over and over and over again? Yes, people do make mistakes, but people who have the wrong motivations when they make a mistake, they generally are not really apologetic. They're not really learning from that situation, and they may end up blaming other people or having a big blow up. So that's something we can teach our kids to watch out for. Another angle that we can look at, though, when we're thinking about consistency is if this person treats all people the same way or if they seem to show favoritism depending on the circumstances. So, for example, a consistent person who's not hypocritical is going to treat everyone the same way because they are not trying to get something from somebody else. But someone who is behaving hypocritically and with false motives is going to treat certain people better (laughs) based on what they think that they're going to get out of that situation. And a lot of times where you actually see this is in how they treat people who can't give something back to them. So perhaps that is a person that is a stranger. Maybe they yell at people in the car. Maybe they are rude to the people that are waiting on them in a restaurant. You know, but it's watching for that consistency or lack of consistency. That's another way we can teach our kids how to be discerning. But when it comes to teaching this, it's not about giving them a prefabricated script and telling them what to think. It's letting them know that these patterns exist in people's behaviors so that rather than the script, they actually have the skill to be able to observe and figure it out for themselves. The third method that we can use to teach our kids how to think is simply to prove by doing. You know, you're going to sometimes get these false statements that are brought home and you're going to perhaps have these accusations that are brought against you and you're going to really want to defend yourself. But really what shows our kids who we are is simply proving it to them in our actions, in our own consistency day to day to day. One of the clearest examples of this in the Bible is Thomas and the fact that he was doubting Jesus. He was doubting that Jesus had been raised from the dead, though everyone said that he had been. And Thomas said, I will not believe it until I see it for myself. And so then Jesus appears to Thomas. He comes into the room and he actually bypasses all of the people who believed that he had been raised from the dead. He comes straight to Thomas with full compassion, totally not offended by this. And he comes to him and says, see my hands, see my side, put your hands in here and believe. He knows that Thomas really wants to understand, but that in the moment, this doubt and this distrust is overtaking him. And Jesus responds by just proving himself. When we think about where our kids are coming from, Often they're in a situation where an adult or multiple adults have let them down, have caused a break in relationship. 
And so it is natural for them to be distrustful. It's natural for them to be testing. They want to see if we will be consistent, if we will show up for them, if we will do what we say we're going to do. And there's no amount of promises that are that's going to change that. There's nothing we can say that's going to take that away. The only thing that can help our kids through that is showing them time and time and time again and not being frustrated by needing to consistently prove to them who we are because that is what over time rebuilds that connection and trust. And I know that knowing this break exists is hard. Having another person, another parent feed that or feed into it is worse. But the best thing that you can do if these false accusations are being leveled against you, the best thing that you can do to show that those accusations are not true is to show something else, to show who you really are. Have you ever looked around at your life and thought, is this really all there is? Plus One Parents' new Bible study is now available. It's called Made for More, Life Beyond Hurt, Loss, and Heartbreak. Made for More is your personal guide through six biblical stories that address where is God in rejection, betrayal, loss, and abuse? Does God care about your fear and sadness and anxiety and frustration? And what can God do to take back every last piece of your story, even the mistakes? So whenever you're faced with a scenario where, you know, you have these dad said type of statements that are coming your way, the best thing that you can do is teach your kids how to think instead of what to think. And in doing that and teaching them critical thinking, you are helping them to combat deception with discernment. And we do this by responding to questions with questions. We do this by teaching observation and to prove by doing it. Now, I know that even with these strategies in your back pocket, this is heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking experience to see your children being harmed and manipulated in this way and feeling like there's nothing that you can do about it. You know, feeling like it's going to keep continuing. I can do these things, but that doesn't stop the root cause. It can seem wrong to let it happen and not to defend yourself. But when it comes to putting all this into practice, there was a key that Jesus gave in Luke 12 that I want to go back to. He said, the time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all that is in secret will be made known to all. The problem for us with this type of situation in seeming to allow it to continue is that it seems like, you know, in this battle of good and evil, that evil wins. It seems like we're just letting it run rampant and do its harm on our kids and on ourselves. But the truth is righteousness is a long game strategy. Evil is going to look for quick little wins. It, it's very short-sighted and it goes for the immediate. It has no delay of gratification. And so in doing so, with this verse in Luke 12, Jesus says, what's hidden is going to come out. There is going to come a time where righteousness is going to win, where not getting sucked into the game and focusing on the long-term strategy is going to be the thing that wins out. Trusting ourselves to that is hard. I will absolutely admit that. Trusting ourselves to that is extremely hard, especially when you know the choices you make now are going to have really long-term implications. 
And this is why, you know, when it comes to this long game strategy and looking at this again, battle between good and evil, this is something we keep talking about. We're not wanting to be pitted into a battle with another person. Satan wants that. Satan wants us to get distracted by another person and want to go to war with someone else. God tells us, you've got a different battle to fight. You are fighting against the powers of darkness that are coming against your child. That's what you're dealing with. And I don't know what you think about prayer, but if this is the battle that you are really engaged in, that is the battle strategy that God tells us is going to be most effective in starting to step into teaching our kids how to think. And when it comes to how to pray about this, even if you're not sure, God will teach you. He absolutely will. And the fact is, we can always start with just telling God what is going on. You know, we can tell him how we feel. We can tell him that it's not fair. We have the ability to go straight to him and gain what it is we need to get through it. But often it's not going to be without us admitting what we're in in the first place. And so then it's asking him, Will you give me the wisdom to know what to say or what not to say (laughs) when my kids come home and they're asking me these types of questions or they're making these types of assertions? You know, it's asking for the courage to look at my past mistakes or my current mistakes and say, you know what, I can do something different. I can ask my kids for forgiveness for the times that I've messed up, you know, And to know, though, and ask him in our prayer, will you even use that? Will you use my repair of my relationship with my kids or my attempt to repair as something that builds a connection between me and my kids again, that I don't have to look at those mistakes as something that, oh, now I've blown it, that we have the ability to step right into that situation and allow God to repair it by us deciding that we want to try again and go a different way. In our prayers, we have the ability to pray over our kids and ask God to soften their hearts that they would absorb the things that we're trying to teach them. These methods that we're using, we're going to have to do it again and again and again and again. And so that it would be something that we don't have to take a really, like, we don't need to lecture them. We don't need to make like a heavy-handed approach to this. But we can ask God, God, would you till the soil of their hearts that when they're older, they'll remember Or that it will be so ingrained in them because this was the way that we talked about conversation and communication and things in our household. That this is just something that becomes a skill set that they're comfortable and ready to use. Also, we can ask that they would be protected from deceit. We can ask that they would be protected from the evil one. We think about the Lord's Prayer. That's precisely what Jesus points out. In all of these things, he guides us to pray. He says that we should ask the Father to deliver us from the evil one. And so that is absolutely something that you can pray over your children, that they're eyes and ears would be opened at the right time and in the right way that they would be able to see the things that are being brought against them and that they would turn away from that and turn towards the Lord. And just like I'm saying that you will benefit from having a long-term strategy in teaching your kids how to think, you'll also benefit from having a long-term strategy of praying over them and praying over the situation and asking God to guide you. Because you're not going to be able to teach your kids how to think in a day. It's not going to be quick. It's a long-term kind of a thing. But in building skills like this, 
in guiding our kids, in interceding for them and allowing the Holy Spirit to work inside of us, we have the ability with our kids to learn together how to counter deception with discernment. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. For more resources for single moms and abuse survivors, join us at plusoneparents.org. You can also catch us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. Until next time, remember you are seen and you are beloved.